Hey, Reach Church, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, In My Head, with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message entitled, Strongholds. Enjoy this message. Well, you can be seated this morning. We appreciate all of you being here today in the presence of God. We want to welcome all of you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place, at the right time, right now. I believe that today. We're glad you're here. We're going to have a wonderful time. I, I see Des over here. She just got married with Eddie. Des, you're, you're ex, you're, you have like this extra smile on you today. What's going on? And uh, Eddie, Eddie's uh, working our, uh, our live stream. He's in the live stream room. So otherwise, he'd be right next to her, I'm sure. So we're excited. We're also going to have another wedding in, in another week. Fabian and Dad are getting married. So lots of weddings. Just keep getting married, right? Just keep getting married. I love doing wedding. Uh, we also want to acknowledge this past Saturday, we had some volunteers uh, work and volunteer for our city. We have what we call a pitch in Paramount where uh, they ask many volunteers. So we had a group of volunteers this Saturday go out and clean up some yards and paint a fence and do all of that uh, for people in the community. So I wanted you to give them a big hand. This is our group here. If you guys could put it up there. Yeah, well, there's now there they are. Come on, give them a big hand. So they're laboring there. Pitch in Paramount. Come on, give them a big hand. We appreciate them. And so, again, we're, we're uh, not only uh, have our heart here for our church, but we want to help our community as well. And we're looking forward to the July 11th here as we make the big name change, reach church, and we're looking forward uh, to what the Lord is going to do. But today we conclude our series on In My Head. How many have enjoyed this series, In My Head? And if you just joined us or you've missed a couple, what we're talking about is we're often prisoners of our own thoughts. Our thoughts can keep us prisoners. There's times where we feel like we're worried. We feel like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know uh, how I'm going to do this. And I'm not good enough. And sometimes it's so difficult to change our behavior. I use the analogy that oftentimes our mind is like a computer. And so many things that you can have a great computer, you can have the fastest computer, you can have the newest computer, you can have the latest computer. Uh, It doesn't matter how great the computer is, but if you put the wrong software in there, or if the computer, computer gets a virus, it can begin to lock down or corrupt some of the files in that computer. And to the degree where you can't even get to the files your own self, they call it a virus. And it's not because the computer is poorly made. It's not because the computer is old. It's because the virus got into that computer. Something got into that computer and corrupted the file. It's the same way with our thought life. Things get into our mind. Things get into our heart. And it's hard to get them out. And we're wondering, how do we do it? The Bible says this, as the man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts become who you are. Your attitude define you. Your mental habits begin to shape you as you think you are. So, so you are in your own head. So whatever gets in your mind gets in you, right? So I want to read this verse of scripture here, kind of in our theme scripture. 
Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Why don't we read that together? It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. Every pretension means every prideful thing that sets, up, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. We thank you today that your word is true, that your word is powerful, that your word today, God, sets us free. And God, today that we can have a renewed mind through the word of God. And so God, today we're going to demolish some strongholds today. We're going to bring every thought into captivity, into obedience of Christ. I pray that you'll minister to every person that's sitting in this room, wherever they're at right now, today. I pray the word of God would unfold and minister to them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, we appreciate everyone being here again. I'm going to get right into this message. Can I do that today? And this message is going to be a little bit rough. Can I just tell you, put on your seatbelt today. Uh, I'm going to deal with some things today that are really going to rock you a little bit. Uh, because all of us this morning are going to be able to say, if you're honest, how many would just be honest? You know, we're, we're such liars, aren't we, sometimes? The Bible said, let God be true and every man a liar. And we lie to ourselves, we lie to people, and sometimes we're not even good enough liars. People just know you're lying. You're lying, you're lying. We can tell you're lying. And uh, you can tell when your kids lie, right? You know, they have to, huh, what, who? You're lying. We know you're lying already. And so here's what the Bible's saying here, though, as we get into the scripture. We've, we've said it a number of times. It says we demolish every, uh, everything, every pretension that sets up itself against the knowledge of God. And so what we're dealing with this morning is I'm going to talk about some strongholds. Is that all right? And the word for stronghold, the Greek word stronghold, I may not be pronouncing it right, so just forgive me. I don't know Greek, but I just read it. Akurama is the word, the best way I can pronounce it. And what it means, it means a fortified prison or a fortified castle. In other words, so many times we can be in a stronghold where we're locked into a deception. It's a prisoner that is believing a lie as if it was true. I talked about last week, if you repeat a lie uh, multiple times, you'll begin to believe that it's true. If you believe it multiple times, you'll begin to believe the lie as true. Repeat it long enough, and people will begin to take it as true. And, and a, a commentary described it this way. A stronghold is a place of strength where evil is entrenched. He said a stronghold is not easily exposed. And today, we want to expose some strongholds. Most strongholds are not... Uh, you're not able to see them because they're blind spots in your own life. You don't even see them. And that's why when you try to expose a blind spot in somebody, they get mad, they get upset because that's what it is, the blind spot. You don't see it. Everybody else sees it. Everybody else can tell you what's going on, but you yourself cannot see it. And that's why a stronghold is very, uh, it di- it's defended and difficult to attack, but by the word of God, it can be destroyed. Can you say amen? 
So the best illustration, I don't know if I'm getting an echo up here or not. I'm not sure. But the best illustration that I can give you today is the stronghold is compared to, and many of you may have had this habit, it's called an electric invisible dog fence. Have you ever seen those things? And they put this collar around this uh, godly dog, and this godly dog is walking along, and all of a sudden he gets to a perimeter where there is an electric thing, and he gets zapped. And what you're doing is you want to keep that dog confined to a certain area. You don't want him to go beyond the boundary, and so you put this electric collar around him, and there's this invisible light that's around the yard that you've set up already. And when this little dog, this little godly dog, again, he's walking, and he crosses that barrier, he gets zapped. And, I mean, it would be great if it was a cat. No, I'm just kidding, but if it was... But, I mean, it's a godly dog. I mean, cats, you know. Anyway, but that's another story. That's another sermon, guys. People are going to say, cats, I love my cat. So what happens is he gets to the edge and he gets that. And eventually what they begin to do is they take off the collar or they, take off, they turn off the electric light or the electric whatever it is there that's causing the zapping. And so the dog knows that he can't go that even though he's not going to get zapped anymore. In his mind, there's a stronghold that says if he goes this far, he's going to get zapped. And so eventually when they try to take that dog out for a walk, man, that dog doesn't want to go because he doesn't want to get zapped. In his mind, he's going to get zapped. The electric fence is still on. That's the way many of our lives are. There's things in our mind that you can only go this far, that you can only change this much. That you can only do a certain things this much. I can only be close to God about this much. I can only do this much. I'm never going to be good enough. I can never walk in freedom completely. And it's that akurama or that stronghold that has you bound thinking it limits you to what, how far you can go. And many of us are deceived in our own mind. That we can only change this much, that we can only have this much relationship with God, that we can only do this. I'll, I'll never be good enough. I'll always be addicted. I'll always be this way. And this is why the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons we fight uh, with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power, what? To demolish strongholds. That word divine power is the word dunamis where we get dynamite today the holy spirit wants to dynamite those strongholds out of your life i can give you several other illustrations and maybe you've met someone one like this maybe you've met a young girl she's thin she's pretty but in her mind she looks in the mirror and someone told her she was ugly and fat and you look at them you man you're thin and beautiful but in their mind they're ugly and fat Guys are the opposite, you know. Uh, they think they're hot, but they're not, right? <laughs> and let me just say this to you guys. Don't ever wear Speedos. That's from hell. That's a clear word. You're going to go to hell if you wear Speedos. <laughs> the word of the Lord is clear on that, okay? So gross. Especially pink Speedos, right? We went fishing, and, and the captain of the boat were these pink Speedos. Man, I'm just thinking, that is so gross. Peter took us on that fishing trip, too. 
big old dude with speedos. Anyway, don't wear them. It's gross. It's of hell. Okay, I, the word of the Lord is clear on that. So there's a few biblical things that I want to talk about demolishing some strongholds. The way you demolish strongholds, though, if you have to identify them. You have to be able to identify most of the time the reason why strongholds are not broken is because we don't identify them. We've heard this before. A devil exposed is the devil defeated. And oftentimes we don't recognize what's there. In fact, look, look at what the scripture said. 2 Corinthians 2.26. One day they will come to their senses and they will escape from what? They will escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them and taken them captive. And so Satan's greatest game plan, his greatest game plan is to lie to you and keep you as a prisoner and keep you captive. That is his greatest lie. We know that, that the devil is a liar, right? He is the father of life. We've heard that. That is his native language. That's what he speaks. And so how many here today, if you just be honest, because I'm going to kind of take a survey as I preach here a little bit. How many of us would be, many of you said, I'm going to be honest today. How many would be honest today that already I'm talking about some lies. I'm already talking about some strongholds. How many would say, you know what? There's some things that need to be broken in my life. You'd raise your hand. Well, all right. About half of us. The other half, you're lying. Again, you're lying. No accountability. Car. If I only had this house, if I only had better clothes, if I only had a better paying job, oh, man, once I get, I would be so happy. Can I tell you, that's a fat lie. I can tell you so many people that have said that. Oh, once I make this much money, oh, man, I'm going to be so happy. Oh, babe, I'm going to change. You're a liar. You're not going to change. You're going to be worse, in fact. That money is going to corrupt you once you get that money in your pocket. Oh, if I only have this much money in the bank, then I'm going to be secure. How many years ago did you say that? And you have that money in the bank and you're not any happier than you were then. You got the house, you said. You got the money. You got the job. So how many of us this morning are really happy? And then sometimes we'll say, man, I, I'm so jealous and I'm so envious of that person. Man, they always get blessed. They always get the break. I never do. And man, if I just had what they had, I would be so happy. How many of us, you have an addictive, habitual thing going on in your life? You're addicted to something. Maybe you're addicted to Starbucks. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're addicted to cigarettes. He says, Pastor, a cigarette's going to take me to hell. No, you'll smell like hell, but you'll probably, <laughs> probably get in. You know, smoking, you know, the attractive, you know, yellow teeth and all that. But, but again, what I'm saying to you today, or maybe this morning, uh, you're, it, it's worse than that. Maybe you're, you're addicted to alcohol. Can I tell you something? There is nothing good that comes out of alcohol. I've never talked to anyone and say, oh, yeah, alcohol has done me so good. Oh, man, things are so great now that I just drink all the time. I can tell you a lot of bad things that come out of alcohol. DUI, cirrhosis of the liver. I can tell you all the health problems, heart disease, liver disease, right? Blood pressure, cancer, stomach issues. I can't tell you how many alcoholics I talk with that have stomach issues. All kinds of different things, uh, uh, you know, broken marriages, 
problems. You know, it really gets me about alcoholics when they start drinking. They get so bold, right? Like macho man. All of a sudden, you, you never talk to me when you're not drinking. But when they drink it, pastor, I want to talk to you. Dude, you're drinking. I could tell. I'm, a, I'm called the pastor now. I could tell you're slurring. And now you're all bold. Come on, macho man. Be sober and say something. Oh, that's another sermon. Anyway, uh, some of them are addicted to drugs. Some of them are addicted to drugs. Legal drugs. And illegal drugs. Some are addicted to pornography. And all of these things. Maybe it's not as graphic, but I'll get, I'll get into this a little bit. How many are addicted to video games? And you wonder why you don't have no time for your family, no time for your marriage. You wonder what's going on with all that. Some, so, you know, I'm, I got the highest score. Big deal. Big deal. What do you, got the highest score. So what? There's no intimacy, no time for your marriage. Some are addicted to work. Oh, why are you working? Oh, I'm working because, uh, man, I'm working for my loved ones. I'm doing it, all this for them. But yet, your marriage is falling apart. Your family's falling apart. How many of you this morning will say, man, I can relate to what you're talking about. Raise your hand. How many can say, all right, a few more. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> See, you guys are getting less and less honest as I'm going on here. I'm talking about strongholds. See, you don't even recognize them. They're blind spots. We, we got physical strongholds. Again, I talked about how people think that, you know, they're, they're addicted to diff- different things and how they look. And, you know, if I was a little more, more rounder here, a little less here, a little smaller there. And we look, you know, all of these different things, we're addicted. Again, you know, you're, sometimes you're, 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 you're physically, you know, you're overeating. How many know what I'm talking about? I've been there. I've, I'll raise my hand. We're, man, we love to eat. Am I right? As long as it has salsa, it tastes good. All of that stuff. Maybe you could be addicted to the gym. Now, I'm not against people going to the gym, but when they start going two or three times a day, you, you're addicted. You're, it's okay to look good, but my goodness, my man. All, okay, I'm preaching, okay? Maybe there's relational strongholds in your life. You're wondering, why, why do I have problems in my relationship? You're critical, you're bitter, you're mad, you're angry. You don't connect well with people. There's relational strongholds. And basically, let me just say this to you. All, all strongholds have to do with you don't trust God. You've not learned how to trust God. You want to be in control. And guess what? When you're in control, everything fails. Stop trying to be in control and let God be in control of your life. Let him take the the driver's seat, right? Because we want to kind of manipulate things. And some of us this morning, even as I'm preaching, you don't even trust me. You said, oh, I don't know about what the pastor is saying. Because, because what happens is you, you, you were, uh, some, somebody in authority did you wrong, and now you're placing that on me. And you're not even wanting to listen to what I have to say. So how many this morning said, man, I, I've got some strongholds? Raise your hand. All right. Now we're getting a little bit honest. Okay. See, as long as we start recognizing them, again, we have to recognize them and identify them. When we do that, 
God can break them. I'm going to read you a story here that's going to really help you. And I want you to begin to pay attention to this story. I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to go through it as quick as I possibly can. It's found in Exodus chapter 5. And this is Moses. He's confronted Pharaoh. Pharaoh, man, he just gets ticked off. And that old Pharaoh, we got to beat his butt. Anyway, so Pharaoh said... Uh, then he said, the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh said, because Moses challenged him, I will not give you any more straw. Go out and get your own straw where you can find it, but your work will not be reduced. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to, to use for straw, and the slave drivers kept pressing them, complete the work required of you each day. It says, just as when you had straw, and Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers that they had appointed, demanding, why haven't you met the quota of bricks yesterday, today, as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten but the fault is with your own people. And Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are. You're lazy. And he said, this is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work, he said. You will not be given any straw, but you must produce your full quota of bricks. And then the Israelite overseers, these were the supervisors, they realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. And when they left, uh, Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron. There is the pastor waiting to meet them and said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. We're pronouncing judgment on you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh. And officials have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now, I want you to understand a couple of things that are going on here and But most of us don't understand when we think about strongholds, when we think about mindset, when we think about people being in bondage mentally to a lot of things in their life. This is exactly what's happening. These, uh, these slaves, these is Israel have been in slavery now for hundreds of years, 20 generations of slavery. They have basically built Egypt. They have been forced laborers. Pharaoh has forced them to build the pyramids, the infrastructure of Egypt. These guys have been building. They've been working. And suddenly the Bible says they've cried out to God for freedom and liberation. And Moses shows up and says, okay, God told, he tells Pharaoh, let God's people go. And Pharaoh gets mad. And instead of letting them go, he forces them to make bricks without any straw. Now, now straw was the binding agent when you make brick. This is what keeps the, straw, uh, the bricks together. And so Pharaoh says, I want you to make these bricks, but without any straw. And I want you to keep the quota up. And the Bible says something very interesting, which I think ha has everything to do with what we're talking about today. Because deliverance, when God sets it in motion, is not as easy as most of us think. We would think that the people of God would gladly listen to Moses and Aaron and gladly do what God says, even though the pressures are. But something happens when you've been used to doing something a certain way. When freedom comes, it's not easy to walk in freedom a lot of God's people today and so here's the hardship that happens 
the Bible says that as soon as Pharaoh finds out that they want to be let go free, he says, no straw. And the Bible said that the people of God said, man, we're in trouble. Now, how many know they were already in trouble? They're slaves. How do you not know you're in trouble if you're already slaves? You're in trouble if you're a slave already. But the Bible says something that they realized. It's strange that they realized that they were in trouble. And then they turn on Moses and Aaron. And said, man, you guys, it's your fault. Because Pharaoh, had, we become obnoxious to Pharaoh. In other words, he, he doesn't like us. He hates us. How many know Pharaoh didn't like him in the first place? Pharaoh was hating them already. Pharaoh didn't have any uh, liking for them already. If you need trouble to make you realize you're in trouble, it's because you made friends with the trouble you're in. The problem is you made friends with that addiction. You've made friends with what you're bound to. And so when things get worse, then you begin to realize how in trouble, but you're in trouble already. If some things have got you messed up, see, it's like a drug addict or an alcoholic. They don't realize they're in trouble until they lose their wife, until they lose their job, until things start going really bad on them. And then they say, you know what? I'm in trouble. Guess what, buddy? You were in trouble a long time ago. And it took more trouble to make you realize how troubled you are. Which is why getting the slaves out of Egypt was not as easy as everyone thinks. To think that Pharaoh is your friend and Moses is your enemy, you've got a lot of problems going on already. Moses was there to help them, but because they were living under this oppression for so long and they got used to living that way they felt like Moses was disturbing what was going on and yet they were in bondage they were enslaved not only were they enslaved their children were enslaved generations of slavery are you listening to me I knew you guys would get a little quiet today now again in fairness as you read the scripture again there were generations of Slavery that was going on. There was oppression that was happening. But I, I want you to think something with me today. Freedom is different than liberation. Lots of times we can be liberated, but doesn't mean that you're free. Because you still have a slave mentality. Now, I've used this illustration before, and I want to just use it again. It's called the Stockholm Syndrome. How many have ever heard of the Stockholm Syndrome? Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, in 1973, two bank robbers went into Sweden, a bank there, and began to rob the bank. What happened is it quickly went bad, and somehow the police had found out about it, and, and they got there real quick. And so the bank robber, in order to try to uh, keep keep things going. He moved everybody into the vault, and it became a hostage situation. And so all of a sudden, now he has this, these hostages. These two bank robbers have these four hostages that are there, and they have them in the vault, and uh, all of these things uh, are there, and they're and and they're trying to negotiate with the police. They have the the bank robbery going on, but now they're negotiating with the police. The police said, let go of the, of, uh, of the hostages and we'll give you what, you what... Anyway, it goes on for a whole week. And during the standoff, 
the bank robbers begin to build a relationship with the bank staff. And they begin to provide food for them. They send out for food to come. And, and some of the people that are uh, uh, bank staff, they need medication. So they bring medication. They bring food. They bring water. They're providing for the bank staff. They're, they're calming all the situation down. Meanwhile, the police are threatening to come in with tear gas and bullets and everything else. And all of a sudden now, the bank staff is saying the police are against us. The bank robbers want to take care of us. Are you hearing me? Because they're saying, I want to calm everything down. It's this policeman, they're coming. They're, they're the one causing all the trouble. And before you know it, they begin to build this psychological alliance with the oppressors. Finally, they're able to come in and they, everything ends peacefully. But when it comes to prosecute the bank robbers, none of the bank staff want to testify against them. In fact, they begin to raise money on the defense of the bank robbers. Believe it or not. All of a sudden, the the police and people come in, the experts come in to try to talk to the bank staff. And they said, no, no, these bank robbers, they're our friends. They, They took care of us. It's you guys that caused all the trouble. And instead of giving, getting really, you know, long sentences, they got short sentences because they couldn't get anyone to testify against the bank robbers. It gets worse. One of the bank robbers marries one of the bank staff later. Now, all of you are going, oh, man, I can't believe this. I can't believe you. You're looking at yourself. And, uh, you know, you laugh. And you, but I want to tell you, some of you have done the same thing. You're married to your bank robber. You're married to a pharaoh in your life. You're married to some kind of thing that has you bound right now. Even though he's messed you up, even though he's not treated in your mindset, you're used to living a certain way, you're married to your own bank robber. Basically, better the trouble that you're in than the trouble that you don't know. Are you listening to me? God has to find a way, the same way as these bank robbers, these people have married to the bank robber. They're in alliance with them. The same way God has to find a way to break the stronghold in the people of God to let them go. And these people were so bound to Egypt. In fact, they even told Moses and Aaron, we want to go back to Egypt. Remember that? We want to go back. How could you want to go back to slavery? How could you want to go back to bondage? How could you want to go back to being whipped? Even though when finally when Moses and Aaron freed them, they're not free because they still have a slave mentality. They're not able. They're liberated, but they're not free. They kept saying to Moses, you know what, we want to go back. And many times that's what happens with people. You're safer with your own dysfunction and your own habit because you've been used to living that way. Oh, I'm going to step on some toes today. This is why people are reluctant to give up drugs. This is why people are reluctant to give up alcohol. They know it's not working for them. They know it's deteriorating their life. But they, they're, they're, they're secure. At least they're, they, they think they're in control of their habit. Are you with me? And they don't know the freedom to be without it. They need Pharaoh. They need the bank robber. Are you listening to me? 
oftentimes this freedom that they could have, they don't have because what happens in their mind, they still are locked in. They still think the Pharaoh will take care of them. They have formed the Stockholm Syndrome. Think about Moses. Think about the problem here. Instead of Pharaoh being the problem, Moses and Aaron are the problem. Can I just preach this morning? Can I be honest with you? Oftentimes that the pastor, uh, I've been preaching here for over 30 years. I can't tell you how many times that I begin to preach and I begin to expose things. Uh, husband and wife can be in the room and all of a sudden the wife begins, it clicks on her and says, we're, we're in a stronghold. We're in a bondage. And all of a sudden the man goes, no, oh, no, we're okay. No, no, we're, we're messed up. I'm starting to see this now. And so what happens is the husband says, oh, no, 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 no. We're fine. Everything's okay. I, you got your addiction going. You got, and so what happens, they get mad at the church. They said, no, well, let's go to another church. In fact, I don't even like the pastor, man. You don't like me because I'm exposing something. That's why. You don't like me because I'm bringing out something. And I've seen this happen. Listen to me. I've seen this happen. The husband said, well, go to another church. And they go to another church. Guess what? He stopped going. But he got her out of that church because things were getting exposed. Strongholds were being exposed. And he didn't want to give it up. Oh, I've I've seen it happen. They get mad at me. They want to confront me. They want to fight me. Come on. Come on. Got to drink a little bit. Come on. You're sober now. Now you're sober. And so what happens again is you get some things exposed and people don't want the freedom. This is exactly what happened with the people of God. Think with me uh, again. These guys had been in bondage for years and years and years. And yet the Bible says when they got out of Egypt, guess what? They died in the wilderness. They died in their freedom because they still had the slave mentality. God's trying to break some things in your life. There's a thing called the reoffending rate. And I'll, I'll just read you the story. I've read this story before, but I'll read it to you again. A story about a woman who got released from prison. She had done eight years for armed robbery. She left jail, the prison on a Tuesday morning. She went straight to a shopping mall and robbed the store. And sat down at the sidewalk and waited for the police. And the reason why is she felt more secure in prison than she did in her freedom. She liked having a routine of security, of predictability. When to eat, when to exercise, when to go outside, when to do that. And she liked that. She didn't like this responsibility of having to do all that by herself. She liked the containment. And so when she got freedom, she didn't know what to do with it. So she went and robbed the bank so she can go back to jail. There's a lot of people that you're just going right back to jail. You come, you say, oh, yeah, I like that. And then you say, oh, no, this is too much. You mean I can't have this? You mean, you know, I got to give up this? Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 I need to go back to jail. You need the stronghold in your life for security. And God wants to demolish that stronghold in your life. Listen to me. The Bible says, finally, 10 plagues come on Egypt. Remember the story. And the scripture says that after 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally lets the people go, right? I mean, he's got all these plagues. There's blood in the, in, in the river. There's frogs. There's lice. Uh, there's flies. I mean, all these different things. And you would think, man, 
after after you know uh, you know burning hailstone from the sky. After all, I would think, man, I believe in your God. So why was Pharaoh so stubborn? Did Pharaoh not think? I, I, I want to just say this to you: God was in control of the whole situation, but God was trying to demonstrate to the people of God that He was more powerful than Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh knew, listen to me, Pharaoh was no dummy. He knew he was a politician. He was a leader of a nation. He knew that after the first few plagues, he said, man, my economy is going to be destroyed. My, my, everything is going to be destroyed. I, I need to change my mind. But I believe God put it in the heart of Pharaoh to, be, to keep going because he wanted to demonstrate to the people of God, God wanted to demonstrate to God's people that he was still in control no matter how powerful Pharaoh was. The Bible says this in Proverbs 21, verse 1. It says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of the water. He turns it wherever he wishes. So God could have changed the whole situation at any time that he wanted. But he wanted to expose something. And he wanted to show the people of God that no matter how powerful Pharaoh was, God is bigger and God is greater. See, listen to me. This is very important. Usually it requires an enemy more than it requires a friend to set you free. Your complacency is your enemy. Your stubbornness is your enemy. Your attitude is your enemy. Sometimes things need to get worse before you realize how much problems you really are in order for you to get free. Are you listening to me? Sometimes things need to get worse. So you can realize, man, things are really going bad. Guess what? They were already bad. They're going, you, you need to see how bad it's getting in order for God to set you free. Are you with me? They were so stuck in slavery. They were so stuck. God had to make it worse for them in order for them to realize, guess what? We're, we're in a bad situation. I'm going to say something to you that's very, very controversial. You're going to get mad, but you need to listen. Let me finish my sentence, okay? Sometimes Christians pray too much. And you say, how could that be, Pastor? We're all praying. Yeah, you pray too much, but no action. And let me tell you what I mean by that. A lot of us pray instead of obey. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you keep calling out to me for help? Tell the Israelites to move forward. In this illustration, Moses is there and he's stuck at the Red Sea and he said, well, let's cry out to God. God said, there's no need to pray anymore. You need to obey. Guess what? We can pray for you until you're blue in the face, man. I can pray for you and I can put my handprint on your head. I can pray for you for hours, but unless you start moving and making some decisions, nothing's going to change in your life. See, God literally tells Moses to stop praying. The only time God would tell us to stop praying is when we substitute prayer for obedience. Some of us say, man, I need prayer. No, no, you need obedience. You don't need prayer anymore. You need to start obeying God. You need to start obeying and making some transition. And you need to start marching forward. 
There's another scripture in Joshua 7, 6. You can write it down. Joshua tears his clothes, and the Bible says he falls faith down before the ark of God. He's wondering, God, why is all this happening for, uh, to me? And the Lord says, stand up, get up. What are you doing on your face? There's sin in the camp. Start obeying me. Again, we often use as an excuse not to obey, but we begin to pray. And God says, you need to stop praying. You need to start making some hard decisions in your life. I'm going to pray for you today. But some of you, you need to make some hard decisions today. Some of you need to cut some things loose in your life. You need to cut some relationships loose that are messing your life up. There's some people that are a bad influence in your life. Oh, but I love them. I don't care. They're a bad influence in your life. They're steering you in the wrong way. You need to cut the ties. You need to say, I'm done with you. You need to, you need to lose the contact. You need to stop answering the phone. Some of you just need to hit block, man. Delete. Get them off of your Facebook. Get them off of your social media. No contact because they're messing your life up. Some of you need to change what you've been doing and where you've been going and stop going there. Are you hearing me? Stop buying that. It's it's no more praying. It's you start obeying. You need to start obeying with God. I like what John, I like what Ron Simpkins said, shut up and obey. But, but shut up, just obey. Just obey God. You know what you need to do. Today, God wants to set some people free, but you need, you know what you need to do. You need to give it up and you need to start turning, going a different direction. And you need to make some hard decisions. Or guess what's going to happen? Things are going to be worse on you. They're going to get worse on you. What did, what did Jesus tell that man when he healed him? He said, man, you better walk in obedience. Something worse is going to happen to you. Isn't that crazy? I, said, I read that scripture. Oh, my God. Jesus gave that man a warning. He said, something worse is going to happen to you. Now, I've healed you today. But if you keep going back to sin, something worse is going to happen to you. I'm here to tell you, God wants to break the strong. I think God wants to break the bondage today. Someone in here needs to hear what I'm saying. And you need to hear it straight today. But today, God wants to break some strongholds. He's going to do it. Can you believe God with me today? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, right now, all over this room, there are lives in this place. There are people in this room right now. God, that you want to break the stronghold. You want to break the bondage. But God, it's going to be more than just praying. It's going to be people making some hard decisions today. People obeying you today. More than just praying, but obeying. Lord, people today, God, they need to make some hard decisions. They've got some stronghold. They've got some bondages. They've got some things that got them bound. Some of them, Lord, they're married to the bank robber. They're married to Pharaoh. God, they have a slave mentality. And God, you want to set them free today. You want to break the strongholds of things in their life. They think they need this. They think they need that in order to be happy. That is a lie. There's no truth to that. You've been believing a lot. You've been, you've, been, you've been believing the advertisement. And it's a fat lie. You don't, all you need is the Lord in your life. He'll meet your need. He'll meet your need. He'll give you the peace you're looking for. Holy Spirit, move all over this room right now. If you're in this room right now, you're in this place right now, God, number one, wants to forgive you of your sin. Your number one problem is sin. And he's the only one that can forgive you today. And so if you're in this room, you say, Pastor, I need God's forgiveness. I need the Lord in my life today. 
with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Who are you right now? Say, that's me, Pastor. I need the Lord in my life today. I need Jesus. Who are you in this room? Say, that's me. Raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need the Lord. Over here, God bless you. Who else? Anybody else? I'm not here to embarrass no one. I'm here to encourage you. Somebody back there, God bless you. Anybody else right now? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. We're here to pray for you. We're here today to tell you that there's hope in God, that Jesus is the answer you're looking for. You're not going to find it out there. I'm telling you, it's deceiving. They're lying to you. That's not the answer. Jesus is the answer today. And he loves you, cares about you. You're not here by accident. God brought you here to hear this message because he wants to set you free. The Bible says, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Who are you right now? Say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Raise your hand. You haven't raised it up already. Just raise it up real quick. Maybe you're once walking with God. You're away from God. You need to come back to the Lord today. Today's your day. Raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor, I need to come back to the Lord. I need to rededicate my life. Who are you? Anyone here right now? Anyone here? A few people raise their hand. Look up at me real quick. Somebody over here on this side. You mean that? You mean that? Somebody over here. You raise your hand. We want to pray for you. Would, would you just come and, and, and just stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet back here? We're going to have somebody pray with you. So whoever they are. In fact, why don't we all stand together right now? And so you want to pray for these folk. Today, God wants to break some strongholds. People coming to get saved. Isn't that exciting today? They're going to lead them to the Lord. You can pray with them. You can pray with them. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else you need prayer? Anybody else? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sing a worship song today. We're going to sing a worship song today. Why don't you just lead us in a worship song? And then we're going to take some time to pray. And some time to get our minds renewed. And some bondages to be broken. Is that all right? Just lead us in a worship song. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount. Or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.